0: Broadcasting live from the Business
1: Radio X studios in Denver, Colorado, it's time for Franchise Bible Coach Radio. Now, here are your hosts.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Franchise Bible Coach Radio with Rick and Rob. I'm your host, Rob Ganley. I'm here with Rick Grossman and Leo Rivera from Bishop's. And we want to introduce, he's the CEO. We're going to introduce him in just a minute. Uh, But before we get into today's show, I want to go ahead and thank our sponsors. Uh, First and foremost, SEO Samba. Uh, You can reach them at seosamba.com. They're the creators of a -a one-of-a-kind award-winning franchise marketing software called the Franchise Marketing Operating System. And I also want to bring attention to Franchise Bible Coach. Uh, Franchise Bible Coach is sponsoring a fight for your franchise challenge. Uh, this is something you can reach at FranchiseBibleCoach.com. It's a simple name and email, whether you're a franchisee, franchisor, or a business owner. We want you to partake in that coaching program, free resources and guidance here through the end of the second quarter, but you can go back. It's a 90-day program. We welcome you to go ahead and check that out. Uh, but as we get in today, I want to go ahead and introduce my, my uh, co-host. He's the author of the Franchise Bible, Rick Grossman. How you doing, Rick?
1: I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for that kind introduction and excited to get into it today and learn more from Leo and and uh, learn some more about how they're doing through this time. And And folks, remember that the Franchise Bible Coach Fight for Your Franchise Challenge is for everybody that's in the industry, franchisors, franchisees, uh, people that are vendors and suppliers, and even folks that aren't in the franchise business yet that may be considering it. It's a great time to get a hold of uh, some uh, gold nuggets, I call them, of wisdom from these experienced folks that are out there doing it every day. So thank you for joining us, and you can go to FranchiseBibleCoach.com and learn more about the challenge, and there's still time, even though we're coming to the end of the uh, the initiative that we're going to celebrate on 4th of July. We're going to keep things going uh, throughout the year and, and keep things coming your way. So uh, please join, and you can go back and get those archived sessions uh, on the website as well. So thank you very much. And uh, we want to jump right into it. And uh, Leo, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your brand and how it came to be and how you, uh, how you came to be part of that.
2: Sure thing. Thanks, Rick. Um, so like Rob and I were talking earlier, and you know, one of my main goals was just to be my own boss by the time I was 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't quite sure that I was going to be that. Well, the business was going to be, I thought it was going to be more of like a restaurant or a bar or whatnot. I had background and I was a marketing background. I was a marketing director for a national restaurant company called Concept Entertainment Group and really understood what people wanted and really understood the customer service industry really strong and understood people and their behavior. So I knew I wanted to work with people and be somewhere in the customer service industry. Um, If this was... If video call, you would see I have no hair, being in the hair industry. (laughs) So at the age 28, uh, God decided to change my career path with me losing my hair. In the meantime, before that, I was uh, going around spending $125 to go get my haircut. I was going to these nice salons, these high-end salons, and I was getting, you know, the, the, the full treatment. I had great hair and everything, but... After a while, after a few months of really thinning out really fast, I found it pretty ridiculous to pay $125 to get, you know, six, seven hairs cut. You know? And so, yeah. that's my stylist. She was doing whatever she can to lengthen my haircut and make the $125 a good value. but. You know, I could see in the mirror that this, I go, this is stupid. I shouldn't be paying this much. Mm-hmm. So this is back in, you know, the mid nineties. And when, when I was out there and I was kind of looking for just somewhere I could just walk into and go get my haircut, you know, and so we had some of the national brands that were out there. And at that time, you know, I just believe, you know, I went from a high end salon to a national brand and it seemed like there was this giant gap in the hair industry where why couldn't there be someplace that would be more relevant now to these times moving with fashion forward trends, but convenient and affordable like the national chains out there. So there was this gray area and I was like, I kept on looking for an answer and I, you know, I would go to these national chains and I still wasn't getting the right atmosphere that I wanted. And I was, looking for, you know, I went to like a mom-and-pop barbershop and, you know, it was just like, you walk in there and back then it was like, oh, go ahead, take a seat. We'll get to you when we can. And there's about five haircuts you could choose from. And so, you know, I was like, ah, there's, has to be, there has to be a better answer for this. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking to myself with my background. I was like, I used to go around and go into neighborhoods and find out what those neighborhoods needed and see what kind of bars they needed or what kind of taverns they would need or cafes or restaurants and see what they were missing. And I was like, why can't there be something like a neighborhood bar, but is where you go get your haircut? Because if you have 45 minutes trying to make yourself feel better about yourself by getting a haircut and look better, why not create a total experience, but still make it affordable for everybody, you know, not just women, not just men, you know, but for Everybody, all in one open space. So I'm like, I'm going to build these things, and I'm going to treat it like your neighborhood bar. So you walk in, and you know, it's, you can walk in, you can call in, make an appointment, you sign up on the list. Uh, it's not tier pricing, so it's like everybody is charged the same, no matter what. There's no gender. There's no gender prices, there's no female cut or a male cut, it's just length cuts, like buzz, short, long. And then why can't we do colors like all the high-end salons do, but to charge a third of the price because the markups are so high. Hmm. So people that can't afford to go in these high-end salons still have a place where they still go look good, feel good about themselves, and then you know, just not, 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 not be broke after doing it. I'm like, so I wanted to do that, And having the restaurant background that I had, I was like, everybody expects to go into a restaurant and have good food. That is a given. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the other details that bring you back. It's the customer service. It's the atmosphere. It's the energy. It's the touches. all the personal touches. I go, we're going to treat this like a restaurant. We're going to do good hair no matter what. That's a given. We're going to have qualified, licensed professionals doing hair. We're going to have education to keep these people up to speed on the new trends and whatnot, but we're going to do everything else. We're going to like, let's give away free beer. I mean, back in the nineties, it's like, Hey, if you can get a glass of wine in a high salon or a glass of scotch at your lawyer's office, why can't you have a free caps blue ribbon when you walk into our barbershop or our salon, you know? And it's, so I'm just like, you know, that's we're going to treat our customers like they're going into a high salon. We're just not going to give these you know 20 dollars glasses of wine out we're going to give away a nice dollar 20 free bar, free can of pbr and we're going to stay really trendy and you know and fashion forward we're going to play really relevant music you know sometimes if djs were coming then they would practice their sets at our stores we would have live music play you know we would get these obscure magazines that you can't find anywhere else before you know the internet gave you all this information so we would dig and try to be this thing that people will come into. And this is where they come get their gossip from the neighborhood again. Kind of bring back that old school mentality of the barbershop where you got your information, but it's up to date. And so we That's opened our fun. first one. Yeah, so we opened our first one. That's
0: I, I want to find
1: I one. Say, Rob might yeah. even go there and get his yeah.
0: I'm, like, I'm like you, Leah. I don't know that you know I can invest much to make a difference.
2: <laughs> Hot towel shaves and having someone wash your scalp is pretty exciting so well as a
1: Paps blue ribbon why not
2: yeah Yeah, now that i know i can get a Paps, i'm going (laughs) every day so we decided to open our first one in portland oregon uh is where i knew the city really well it's before portland's on the cusp of doing great things of you know do-it-yourself people a lot of artisans a lot of creatives you know we're home in nike and adidas so we have a lot of design wear going on here so a lot of artists and there were a lot of a big local community that was really accepting of a brand like ours to really do something out of the box. And so we opened our first one. And, you know, of course, what you do when you open your first, you try to find the best location, a location. So we found an area in Portland called Hawthorne, which is the Bohemian district of back then of Portland. And so if, if you open anything, you would open up in a Hawthorne because that's where all the tastemakers and all the influencers were hanging out at. So... Mm. I knew as a marketing guy, I'm like, I got to make a splash with these guys. So that resonates to the mainstream. And so we opened up, you know, I did the typical entrepreneur, you know, took all my savings, all my credit cards and found a space and a great location and quit my job. I was working in Seattle all the time and uprooted and came down to Portland here and, you know, started working on our first one, you know, it was a, uh, the, the location was amazing the space was gross did a lot of uh sweat equity myself and just did a lot of demo I mean I think I emptied out 15 yard or four 15 yard boxes of just junk in this place
0: yeah but you know
2: it was 2001 and that's what you, you do you know you, when you start off you you get your yeah. hands dirty and you get nitty an gritty and so I was uh we did about two three months of building this thing out and uh You know, we got it built out to spec and made it really look super cool and really inviting. Nothing like you've seen in a hair salon before. And my goal was like, okay, I have creative people and I have these amazing artists. I go, and back then I'm like, I'm not going to put them in a uniform. You know, I'm not going to hide their tattoos. I'm not going to hide if they have, take have to take out their facial piercings. I go, these are artists. And if you limit these artists, you're going to limit their creativity. And they're going to be shackled. And I'm like, not only did I want a place for customers to come to, but I wanted to create a place for stylists, want to be feel, a place to feel safe and work at for them and where they didn't have to be, you know, like you have to wear all black today. You have to wear all white today. You know, you can't do that to these people. They're just waiting to get those those shackles off them pretty much and find a place where they could be creative. Yeah,
0: yeah, right
2: yeah I mean,
0: it's, a, it's a very creative uh for the for the hairstylist is a very yes. creative expression you know very much artistic and the the chain brands tend to be like you said cookie cutter and, and just right. versus allowing them to be expressive and creative that's pretty cool
2: so we you know we you know we uh we opened up and it was uh it was just crazy um you know we did 12 people the first day i mean i would go around and this is before the internet also so like You can't, there's no social media or anything like that. So it was old school, going around handing out flyers, talking to all the right people. You know, my day would consist of waking up at six in the morning and help build the shop till about five in the afternoon, go to the gym, not to work out, but to shower. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then go out to all like restaurants, wherever I can, nightclubs, bars, you know, the Nordstrom makeup counters and promote bishops and talk about bishops and what we're doing and what we're going to be doing something different in the whole hair industry, especially in Portland. And then I would do that to about three in the morning. And actually I would go, go back to the the construction space because I hadn't, I didn't have a place to stay at the time and I was sleeping in a barber chair while we were doing the oh, building. Wow. And so. That's some
1: grassroots marketing right there. Leo.
2: Yeah. You know, that, that was back then when you had to do that.
1: That's right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and so. We promoted. Rick, Rick talks a lot
0: about that, and, and you know a lot of the things he does. Um, what you're talking about uh, for a franchisor is is a critical way to build relationships for your your franchise, right? Or for a franchisee uh, to go out. We we call it the industry contact route, but it's basically right. going out and giving out flyers, right? Or right. maybe it's a little bit more. Maybe it's a memorable gift. But it's someone in your community that's a real influencer, and. Yeah. It, Definitely attract more more customers, and and we to this day talk a lot about that because it's still to this day effective, even though you now have all these other channels like social media and things. But that's right. an awesome story because it, it worked then; it still works. It just go out,
2: you just, it, you just it has to. Work. <laughs> we 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 talk about every time I talk to my franchisees, you know, in my marketing department, our whole thing is like creating walking billboards. That's what we need to do. I mean, still. Even with social media and all this technology these days, hair and finding someone who's gonna be your regular clientele, you need to make a connection. You need to make a one on one connection and you need to make a contact with them. And it's not just, hey, hey just cause I have 40,000 likes off one haircut on my Instagram feed. I mean, people we all know, it's like, you know, I teach my staff, I'm like, you guys, you guys are not just their hairstylist here. You're your, your bartender, you're the barista, you're the therapist. I go, it's 45 minutes of, you know, to an hour capturing, you know, a loyal clientele. So it's funny talking to this new generation of workers and these millennials who do, all they know how to do is this and text on their phone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not going to come back unless I have a, a connection mm-hmm. with you. And so to, it's, it's, it's really interesting right now, especially now during this time where everything is done virtual yeah during, so, during that,
0: the pandemic. That's, that's a great segue i mean so with the pandemic uh may it's may 2020 or it's june early june 2020 right now um for anyone listening and and obviously we're as a country in a world dealing with the pandemic and other things everything you just shared is amazing and obviously what i'm wondering is how do you take that creativity and innovation and deal with these challenges now with the pandemic in this sort of business model that you just described? What, what, are, you, what are you working on? Yeah,
2: you know, it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, like I said, you know, I try to, I try to use an analogy of a restaurant for our business. And it's, it's, it's hard to show people what we do one-on-one and all those details over a virtual feed or over social media. We, we could talk a lot about it and we can have other people post about us and all that stuff. Um, you know, the one thing we had to do was just over-communicate during this whole time mm-hmm. and really stay in touch through those portals of emails, text, you know, anything we can to our clientele and just keep them, keep them relevant in what we're, what we're doing and how we're, you know, what we're going to do coming out of this. Uh, the great thing is that the biggest bump in our business ever was in 2008 when the economy went down and we were able to capture a whole new audience of people that were like myself leaving the high-end places to go find something more affordable uh right now with the pandemic it's a little it's different because it's a health issue and we we just can't open we're open in about 80 percent of the states right now which is good our franchise system is open and what exactly what i thought was going to happen i was telling my, franchise, my franchisees, I mean, you know, we have calls all the time and, you know, we do group talks and we Slack channels, we open lines of communication so everybody knows what's going on and everybody participates, which is great because, you know, everybody's city's different, everybody's county's different. Um, but what is, what's great is that what exactly what happened is our business is so essential and it's so affordable that we're seeing every store across the board that's open right now doing 40% more business. Than they did before the virus. Wow.
1: Wow. That's yeah. awesome.
2: Yeah. That's and what's great is that I tell them, I go this is the opportunity now because our the demand for us is going to be huge when we open to capture all those new clients coming in. So whatever you do right now to make those people like, thank you. This is, this, this is what bishops is. This is what we how we serve the community is being ready for these people, you know, and we luckily being a franchise, you know, we had to build all these systems and the teams already to support the franchisees. Mm -hmm. So I was able to bring everybody back, keep them on payroll, you know, about two weeks after the payroll, you know, we applied for our PPP loan. We got it right away. You know, we brought, we brought all our, our, our whole franchise management team back just to put systems in. we built with our, with our LMS system. So we built hundreds of assets already ready to go for everybody. We've modeled out four different scenarios of how you're going to open just, you know, the difficulty of doing this doesn't help when the government doesn't give you strict regulations. You know, when you don't know, you know, we had a County open up here in Oregon where the governor said, okay, you could open up the next day. She gave us 12 hours to prepare. <laughs> on a Memorial Day weekend.
1: Oh boy. You know?
2: So the government really needs, you know, I I tried to get on the committee for hair salons and barbershops and tattoo parlors for the state of Oregon, sent a dozen emails to the whole staff over the governor, you know, I I'm the biggest hair employer in the state of Oregon. Been doing this for 20 years. And I, I think it's very necessary for me to be on here about regulations and how to open the things back up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I get back to talking about, you know, having a a team ready for our franchisees and building all these assets, building all these videos, you know, um, one thing I did on a personal and business level is I drove to half part of the country because I had to see for myself different reactions from different counties and different cities on lockdown and pandemic and how they feel about coming out of it And so as these states progress as they open i went to where we had stores at and i wanted to see people's reactions in the communities so we could implement those into other states that are opening but it's weird has seen all these different attitudes on like i went down to arizona and in scottsdale you wouldn't even think they even heard about the coronavirus Mm. You know, they you know, they all I may mean, think that the hot weather is limiting, you know, cases. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not here to judge anybody how they feel about this and how they react, but it's weird because you go into like I drove into Las Vegas and the weirdest thing is seeing all the lights off in Las Vegas <laughs> and seeing it totally shut down. And yeah, when you it was weird. When you see stuff like that, it scares people from going out because they're just like, "Well, if these big corporations aren't scared, are scared of opening yeah. and doing it." You know, we're talking about mass market. We're not talking about people who, you know, really dig into this and get all the data and all that stuff. We're talking about people who just listen to the listen to the media and don't really form their own opinion. And mm-hmm. but that's us. We do a mass market. We deal with everybody, so we I have to get in that mindset. But it, it, it was really great to see different cities you know, of course I did my, you know, social distancing and didn't go anywhere and make sure I was safe and wore my mask and everything and contribute socially correctly. But, you know, it's going to different cities it's going, going into like, you know, San Francisco and seeing how that city is, they totally shut down. But, you know, you know how big San Francisco is. They only had 50 deaths, which is amazing for a market like that. Yeah, yeah. But
1: That's crazy.
2: It's, it's great because, it allowed me to speak to all my franchisees at their level of knowing i go hey i know what's going on in your city i like i've seen it firsthand you know i took 2 weeks and drove around you know all over the, all these states just to see how reacting like you know i wanted to see how our employees were dealing with it you know and it, it create this forum and giving this information is like hey this is what i saw with customers coming in and how we're gonna charge extra for PPE so we don't lose money on it. People are accepting. There's some places that are not and this is how we dealt with it. You know, we dealt with this employee that was really scared to come back. You know, they weren't ready yet and this is how we dealt, And this, is it. you know. Mm-hmm. So all these different scenarios and I was able to translate all that to my, to my teams
0: right.
2: and see it firsthand, which was great because did, did it, just, you, you know, it allowed yeah. us more sight for anything.
0: Yeah. And and as you're talking, it brings to mind, um, you know, just the the thought of your franchisees and and being in a franchise network and in a system where there is collaboration, obviously, with you taking the lead. But is there like a favorite story that you could pull out or maybe you have a few, but is there anything going on in those local markets that just kind of warmed your heart or, or you just thought it was a great story of collaboration with your franchisee or the community? Anything like that?
2: You know, it's, a, a, we, we've had some, we, we had some emails come through of people were you know, they're like, saw that we're open different, you know, in the cities that were like eight hours away. And they they, utter, they they read about us and, you know, like read about our ethos and really resonated with us, you know, how, you know, it's like, we're a place of, of you know, being free and, you know, not not being judged of who you are. and. You know, there's, there's, there's a thousand great stories of customers that are coming in and they're like tipping $100 because they feel so bad for these stylists yeah. that were out of work that didn't get, you know, any help or anything like that. And, right. You know, it's just it's, it's great to see, you know, what, what happened is, is that a lot of franchisees never understood and never saw where we fit in the community, how we can serve our community until now. Mm-hmm. And now what we put out for assets and what we're sending out messages, they're seeing the relevance of their brand or our brand in their markets and going, wow, this is how I serve the community. I do not I never saw a demand for this and how thankful people are. I mean, you I think this pandemic has really, really tested tested us as a race of what is important and what we actually need. And the little things that are so great that we just are thankful for that. We just, we don't think about every day, you know, it's like I never thought about how bad I really like go get a cup of coffee at my local coffee shop, how easy that was accessible or, you know, just, you know, waiting in line to go into a grocery store. I go, what is this? I don't, I, uh, it's like, you know, did you take all that stuff for granted? And I think these people are seeing is like, this, we really fit into the community. This is, this is our, this is where we stand in community This is how we're going to serve. So,
0: well and, and and you know and Rick, you could chime in on this as well, but you know the the concept of a franchise when we all all of us that are in the industry understand that the consumer has an affinity with with the brand and they they get used to the brand and it matters to them mm-hmm. um, and 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 if we think about our own behaviors, uh we take it for granted is what happens right Like we right. all have certain brands we really care about now we they get taken away, and it's like, oh my goodness. We wanna go back and say, here's $100 because we care. You were a part of my life, right? You right. were a part of my regular routines and, and, we, <laughs> and, and who thought of a pandemic? But then it's like, wow, without that, that matters. And now the franchisees and the community can connect on a deeper level. And that's why this is a time, and Rick, maybe you could chime in, but this is a yeah. time where you have an opportunity, right? As, as a brand to really stand tall and, and And go through this, good, bad, or ugly, it's still people will remember you, like you said, yeah. you have a new clientele they 'll never forget
1: right yeah, absolutely and And I work with franchisors and franchisees all over the world, and you know I can tell you that going out and spending time in the field with your franchise community is is going to uh, have an impact on them and obviously that's part of your leadership uh, belief system, and that 's important. We call it servant leadership here but to get out at the street level with them and and when they see you walking through the door, that builds an incredible amount of trust and faith. And, and it just, it, it, will go a long way. And I know you, you know that, but I think for the listeners, it's important to realize that as a franchise or with a franchise community, that uh, a lot of that trust is built by being in the trenches together, especially during a stressful time. Right.
2: Right. Well, the funny thing about it too is that I didn't even tell them I was coming
0: and oh, wow. I, go up, Great.
2: You know, I go, you're here. I go, I'm not going to let you guys do this on your own. I'm right in yeah. it with you. So,
1: yeah, because yeah. it's easy to hide when things get rough, right? right. No, oh, that's awesome. Well, and I can also appreciate the fact that, that people, that you're getting a kind of a surge of new clients. Uh, I, I know that I went about a month and a half without a haircut, and I never wanted a haircut so bad in my life. And the more my wife offered to uh, give it a whirl. I um, I I got more motivated to find a way to get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's awesome that you're getting you're getting a, a new clientele that way. But when you look at you know how's your how's your franchise development going? We're we've talked a little bit about your franchisees and how they're dealing with it. Um, you, you know, you how many units are you at
2: now? Uh, around eighty.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. And how's your how's your, how are, how have you adapted your franchise development as far as your prospective franchise owners that are communicating with you and, and how are you doing your discoveries and, and your interviews and things like that now?
2: Yeah, we, well, we're, we're right now we put a pause on development because we have 160 still in the pipeline. Wow. And uh, we're just not pushing it as hard. So we're vetting correctly, you know, we're really, I mean, it's hard to do our discovery days right now (laughs) yeah this but we we have people that are interested because you know they're seeing you know they're they're seeing their our stores reopening and they're like seeing them just packed and the demand for it uh you know hair is not going to go anywhere until amazon tries to figure out how their drones are going to cut your hair they still have to go to a, a brick and mortar to go get get their hair cut or hair colored yeah. um but uh the, you know development i mean what what was great was turning out that was a pandemic i mean it's a kind of a double-edged sword is that some of that great real estate is going to be available.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That, you know, that was the biggest issue with us really felt following up on development was we can't find good real estate anywhere. It's just, there was such, mm-hmm. but now, well, I mean, you know, just talking to brokers and talking to landlords and it was like, there's going to be, I mean, there's going to be some great wheeling and dealing to be done on the lease ends and some prime prime property available so i think there's going to be a huge uptick i mean we you know the ones that are looking for due to a second and third location that bought three packs from us or six packs they're like wow this is the time i mean we're i'm not even saying anything they're like they're calling me like leo this is a time to strike i go when and so you know we, we we redeveloped our loi with my real estate team and was like hey we could probably ask for the world right now so let's just start negotiating and let's find some locations. And right now too, it's like, what we're seeing is like, you know, 20% dropout of salons aren't coming back or barbershops out of wow. the whole industry. And So there's opportunity for us to take some turnkey situations mm-hmm. and really take advantage of those right now, just because, you know, we we are in a good place going into this and, you know, we're going to be in a better place coming out. And so, you know, our brand is strong right now and you know, our people are are loving the numbers they're seeing. So it's, it's, it's really good. So I think it's
1: a good time to get into the business. You know, we're hearing a lot from the franchisors and franchisees that we're talking to on the podcast and interviews that, everybody's expecting a boom after things kind of get back on track a little bit here. And hopefully when we have our fight for your franchise challenge celebration on the 4th of July, we can kind of celebrate some, some more victories. We're hearing a lot. We've got hundreds of people involved now and, and really hearing some really great stories out there. But uh, yeah, now's a great time for people to start their discovery and start looking at franchise brands. And you're right. There's uh, going to be a lot of real estate, Available, some partially equipped locations are going to be out there, and landlords will probably be very interested in, in negotiating and making good deals happen to get those places, um, uh, you know, released. So, uh, a lot of really, really good gold nuggets there, Rob.
2: Yeah, they, especially like markets like San Francisco, they're going to be loosening up their, you know, the whole franchise regulations now because of so much of the dropout going on in retail. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. you know you can't you just can't keep it to mom pause anymore in san francisco or it just you know people are limited to eight stores yeah. so yeah. They're changing their tune on a lot of stuff a lot of these markets so
0: well yeah, it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting and you know a lot of shifting and changing but opportunity always lies in that and i think we're that is that is the one certainty is change but uh you know, it's it's really great to hear your story. It's great to hear the stories of people wanting to get back out there um, and 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 work with local businesses, right? And and the importance of those brands. Um, but as you've been through this, you've shared so much uh, in this last half hour. or So, um, could you could you boil it down as we come to the end of the show here to maybe a gold nugget or two that that you just feel like you know, as a leader, as a as a leader of a brand. Uh, what was that one thing or two that you say, if you could share it with another brand leader or another franchise or franchisee even, what was the one thing to maybe share with them, leave with them?
2: You know, especially for the hair industry, I think the one golden nugget, would I see, so a lot of, none of my owners do know anything about hair. You know, I don't know anything about hair. I probably know at least about hair than anyone in the company. Um. And So, what I always would tell them is like, right, especially now, right now, let let your manager be your aspirin. Let them take care of your headaches. You know, For, you know, make them the team leader and really get behind them. You know, trust them, empower them. You know, just get out of their way and let them work with your team because they're in the trenches. They're in the heart of it. They hear from all their employees and all that stuff. So, right now, as you, right now is surrounding yourself by good people. And again, those people who want to work and really know your store and know your brand and really, really trust them and empower them and get them going and, and get their support.
0: That's awesome. Thanks, Leo. Yeah. Well, uh, Rick, any final thoughts before we wrap up today's show?
1: Well, I think that, uh, I think Leo shared some really important things, folks. And, you know, I've been a franchise coach for many, many years. And one of the things that I will always uh, keep as part of our core belief system is that servant leadership is really the key. Uh, When I talk to franchise owners around the country, around the world that are not happy with their franchisors, the most common thing I hear is that I never hear from the franchisor unless they want something you know, and, uh, or I'm late on a payment. <laughs> so to see Leo and his, uh, servant leader model going out there and driving around the country and walking into those stores it uh, really is inspiring because that really does build that franchise community and the trust and, and seeing the, the commitment and the investment that you make in your franchise community is really, uh, important. And so hopefully if you're listening, when you're in the franchisor seat, uh, that that will give you some inspiration to maybe get out there and, and visit with your franchisees more. And if you're a franchise owner, uh, think of uh, your staff and think of your customers and ways to go above and beyond the call of duty to make them feel safe. And uh, from the marketing standpoint, we talked about last week that uh, from the marketing standpoint, one of the most important things that customers are telling us is that they want to feel safe and they want to be able to trust the brand that they're experiencing. So you want to go the extra mile to build that. So very, very good stuff. Thanks, Leo.
0: Thank you. We appreciate having you on the show, Leo. So that's Leo Rivera, the CEO of Bishop's Cuts and Color. Uh, Leo, could you share your website or is there a way that the listeners can learn more about Bishop's, both, for the franchise and, and, and the uh... – Yeah,
2: just everything on our website at bishops.co.com. We have some uh, Catholic church chicks at bishops.com from us. That. Yeah. That's
0: funny. Very good, very good, my friend. I appreciate you being on the show today. I also wanted to thank our sponsors once again, uh, SEO Samba. Uh, they are the inventors of the franchise marketing operating system and you can find out more at seosamba.com and of course the Franchise Bible Coach. Uh, you can learn more specifically about the Fight for Your Franchise Challenge at uh, franchisebiblecoach.com. Uh, just simply uh, sign up with an email and name and, and partake in, in the coaching program that's going on right now uh, through the end of, uh, of June. So we look forward to having you come on board uh, and I want to thank my co-host, Rick Grossman, author of The Franchise Bible. Thanks, Rick, uh, for being hey, here. Thank you, Rob.
1: Thank you, Leo. Thank you,
2: Rob. Thank you, Rick.
0: All right. Yeah. That'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again. Great. And bye for now.
2: Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.